0: I wanted to talk to you today. We've been talking about how do we become a selfless church for the last few weeks. And I'm going to kind of end it today with uh, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. Everybody say that with me attitude of gratitude. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, just one of the ways that we become less selfish is to have an attitude of gratitude. A lot of it begins and ends right here, doesn't it? It's my attitude, it's my perception. It's how I live and work towards life, amen? And so I need to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, I'm going to talk to you this morning. There's a word that bumps around that we talk about with the, the younger generation today, and it's kind of the opposite of gratitude. Now, if you were in my Sunday school class, I always give them a little preview of the message because I am always I got it on my, fresh on my mind. But I, y'all don't always shout out, shout out the word. But do you know what the opposite of gratitude is? what is it attitude all right uh there's a word that you're going to recognize it starts with an e it's called entitlement and many people have called the current generation the entitlement generation what does entitlement say entitlement says give it to me now i deserve it now Uh, I deserve it. I want it. I want more and whatever you're doing. It's not enough and I am entitled to want more Amen, so the opposite of gratitude is entitlement and I want to tell you today. We don't need to have a An an entitlement attitude because entitlement attitude says that uh, I deserve it Now I want to tell you today. Do any of us deserve salvation? We don't deserve it at all do we? Does any of us deserve the complete and total forgiveness of our sins? No, we do not deserve that. Amen. I want to tell you, there is a a difference between grace and mercy and entitlement. Amen. Now, God, he showed you his grace and his mercy, and he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. But guess what? You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything for it. God provided it through his son, Jesus Christ. As you've heard before, Jesus did all the work. It was all his blood spilled on that cross. Not any of yours or mine. Amen. And so it's not a sense of entitlement. It is God's grace and mercy. Amen. And it is his free gift. And I'm here to encourage you this morning. If you have never received the free gift of salvation do not leave this building today without receiving that free gift of salvation because he provided it for everybody in this room the only difference with everybody in this room is some have accepted that free gift some have rejected that free gift all right so the entitlement generation um um, many people um go through and they uh, there's a divorce going on because people feel entitled uh, many times, people feel like, well, you know, my spouse doesn't take good enough care of me. And so they get an entitled uh, attitude in their marriage sometimes. And they want to say, well, my spouse needs to do better. And many times we feel like, well, you know, I deserve more out of my marriage and I deserve more from my spouse. Many times at work, you think somebody ought to give you a promotion just because you showed up to work on time. Sometimes not even on time. Amen. And guess what? Nobody. You don't deserve a promotion. You earn a promotion. Amen. Now I'm going to sound like an old man on some of this. Amen. Because I'm going to give you some of them old school principles, but I believe they're still true today. You don't. Uh, you don't. Uh, are, you aren't given a promotion at most jobs. You earn a promotion. It's not that you're entitled to it. It is you earned it, and you show that by your work ethic that you deserve that uh, promotion all right Um, many of us we have a uh, an attitude of uh, never say no Um, I don't know about y'all we become such an entitled generation I and I again I hate to quote Walmart my wife quoted it already this morning Have you ever been to Walmart Walmart will make you really upset sometimes am I the only one because you go to Walmart and you see some people They don't know how to keep their kids in line, do they? I took my kids to Walmart, and we spent about half our time in the bathroom getting an attitude adjustment, amen? But some people, they don't know how to say no to their kids, amen? I've seen it just like you've seen it. I've seen little four, five, six, seven, eight, ten-year-olds lay right down in the cereal aisle at Walmart or Brookshire's or Super One because they didn't get what they wanted, and they just have a hissy fit right there in the middle of it, amen? And sometimes... The parents just let it happen, and it's aggravating, amen, because here's the problem. Here is a child that's never been told the word no, and sometimes I know we look at that and we say, well, that's not the way to raise children, but guess what? Many times, even as adults, we are that same way. We've, we are entitled, and we feel like God owes us something. Can I give you some news today and burst your bubble? God does not owe you anything. God does not owe me anything, amen. It is by His grace and His mercy that He loves us and He provided salvation for us. Amen. So we need to understand, don't have an entitled attitude, have a, uh, an attitude of gratitude. You remember the days I remember my dad had a pickup, and uh, my dad owned his business, and it was agriculture, it was kind of a nursery. And it would not be uncommon if we were just going you know, down the road a little bit. He'd throw four or five kids in the back of that pickup truck. No seat belts, no nothing, no safety harnesses. Just pile them in the back and ride them down the ride them down the road. Amen. And if you lost a kid, uh, just have another one. Amen. Uh, it was almost the attitude, wasn't it? You know. And uh, now it's like safety is everything, and we just we 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 take care of everybody, and we we coddle everybody. And you know, you ride a bike now. I used to ride my bike, and we made homemade ramps. You know, uh, nobody knew what a bike helmet was, or knee pads, or elbow pads, and all that. And just uh, you know. It was just you were, if you scraped yourself, then you just sucked it up and got over it. Amen. But uh, we've kind of become where we just, and again, I'm not anti-safety. I'm not any of those things. But we need to understand what has happened is over the years, with every decade, I believe, we've raised a a, a generation that's a little more entitled each decade. And it's a little more entitled. Because what I see now is I see young married couples getting married in their 20s, maybe early 30s. And they want to live in the same kind of house that mom and daddy live in. And they want to drive the same kind of car that mom and daddy. They want what their parents have. This is the expectation nowadays. And parents, you tell me this is not true if you've got grown kids. Uh, Kids sometimes have the expectation that I want what mom and daddy have in their 50s and 60s, but I want it in my 20s. Again, that's an entitlement attitude. That's, well, I don't want to have to work for it. You know, I want. I don't want to have to work for it. I don't want to have to. Listen, your mom and dad, they live in the kind of house they did because they worked hard and they spent years paying a mortgage on it, and uh, they have those cars uh, because they paid the price for those things and they sacrificed for those things. Listen, there was a day in time, and probably most of your parents, uh, there was a day in time that said this. This is gonna freak some of you out. If I don't have the cash for it. I don't buy it. Oh, heaven forbid. That used to be the attitude. That used to be everybody's attitude. If I go to my bank account, and I look at my bank account, and I want this item, and there's not enough money in that bank account, I just don't buy it. That is uncommon these days, isn't it? Nowadays, everybody will finance it for you. You can put it on a credit card, no interest for a year, and we'll be glad to do it for you. Amen. And what happens with that? What happens with that is everybody gets an entitlement attitude, and everybody ends up putting everything on credit. Everything is hilted to the max on credit cards. And what do we end up doing? We end up living what we call living above your means. That means you may look real good on the outside, but you're up to your eyeballs in debt, and you really can't afford to be doing those things you really can't afford to live in the house you're living in you really can't afford to be driving the car you're driving you really can't afford all those things has anybody here heard of what I mean the the amount of credit card debt in the United States of America is staggering there are people I hear people sometimes and there are you know ten twenty thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt that is not uncommon uh, in, in the United States of America today. And I'm here to tell you, if you're living ten, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 above your means, you're in trouble. You're already in a hole, and you don't even realize you're in a hole. But this is what we have promoted, and unfortunately, have we done it? We've done it to ourselves. America has done it to ourselves where everything goes on credit now, and we are living above our means, all right? So be very, very careful. I don't know if any of you in here have done uh, Dave Ramsey or any of those things, the uh, Financial uh, Peace University type deal, but that's all Financial Peace University is. Dave Ramsey, all his program is is whittle down your debt and stop putting everything on credit. And Only pay cash and if you don't have the cash then say no to yourself now That's something we don't like to hear but sometimes we need to hear the word. No Sometimes as Christians we need to hear the word No, I know people who say I don't believe there's a God because he doesn't answer my prayers and I say well What do you mean he doesn't answer your prayers? Well, I asked him for something and I didn't get it and I said he answered your prayer He most certainly did. He answers, I can guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has answered every prayer that's come out of your mouth. You just don't like the answer most of the time. If you ask me a question, you give me the courtesy of having several answers, don't you? I can say yes. I can say no. I can say maybe. I can say not right now. I can say you don't need that. That's more than you need. All right. Why do we not give God the Father the same courtesy? God answers every prayer that comes out of your mouth. It's just more times than not the answer is no or wait or not right now or you don't need that. And I'm here to tell you, we do not like that. We are like spoiled, bratty children. We do not like to be told no. So I'm here to tell you today, there is a God. He answers every single prayer. You just don't like all the answers all the time. Now, in the same way, if you raise kids like I did, you know that it's foolish to give your kids everything they ask for. They're going to ask for things that are not good for them They're going to want to eat sugar and candy all the time They're not going to want to take a bath And they're going to stink to high heaven Amen. Been there, done that They're not going to want to brush their teeth And their teeth are going to rot out Amen. They're not going to want to do a whole lot of things They're certainly not going to want to go to school And here's the thing You've got to understand You have to learn to teach your kids The word no The word you don't need that And this is what's best for you do you think my kids any more than your kids liked every answer I gave them? No, they disliked many of the answers I gave them. But guess what? I, I didn't take it personally that they got mad at me because guess what? I knew that what I was telling them was what was best for them. All right, And I knew they'd get mad, but I knew they'd get over it. And I knew it was what was best for them anyway. So if you want to be mad at me, go ahead. Guess what? God the Father, your Father, your big daddy God... Also understands, you're not going to like all of his answers. But he's a big daddy. He's got big shoulders. He can handle it. But guess what? He knows that there are some things that you ask for in your life. These are not good things. These are not going to help you. In fact, the enemy, the devil, will use those things to draw you away from me. So as your father, I know you don't need that. All that's going to become in your life is a big distraction. Let's say you go down and you finance. You look in your... You look in your bank account, and you don't have the money to buy a nice, big bass boat. Uh-oh. I'm going to step on some toes here, aren't I? Amen. And I can't afford that nice, big bass boat. But surely God wants me to be happy and catch some bass. And so, uh, God, I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to let them finance that nice, big, shiny bass boat for me. And God says, Mark, you don't need that. Mark I can see what's going to happen. That's going to become a distraction in your life. And mark what I see is happening is what what day are you going to go fishing. Most likely you're going to say, "Well, you know, I work all week, and then Lord, you know, Saturday's kind of for getting all my, my home stuff done. So you know, well, Lord, you know, Sunday's really when I got to go fishing. And really, they're they're biting in the morning, you know. So I, I'm real sorry, Lord, but you know, I got to go take care of business. Go catch me some largemouth bass. Amen. And the Lord knows this and he says, Mark, all that big shiny bass boat's going to do, that's going to become a distraction for you. That's going to, the enemy's going to use that to drag you farther away from me. Amen. And so it becomes a choice. Do I listen to God and say, you know what? I don't really need that. Number one, I don't have the money in my bank account to buy it. Number two, I do not need to go up to my eyeballs in debt to do it. And number three, the Lord says, no, you don't need it because it's going to get between you and me. And there's a whole lot of things like that. Some of you, there are some things in your life you need to get rid of because they have become a distraction and they have gotten between you and the Lord. Amen? And so you need to understand. The Lord, to have an attitude of gratitude, we need to understand that the Lord is in control and I need to listen to him. When he says no, I need to just put it down. When he says not right now, I need to put it down. Now, when he wants to bless you, sometimes he'll say yes. And i say, thank you, Lord. Amen. But many times the answer is no. You don't need that. And I need to understand, you know what maturity is? Maturity is the ability to accept the word no and to accept the answer not right now. Or you don't need that. That's maturity, to be able to say, you know what, Lord? You're right. As much as I want that, as much as my flesh wants that, as much as I like that pretty nice thing, I know you're right. That is spiritual maturity. Amen. All right, let's look at the first scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 13. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there he met, uh, met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, let me stop right there. So Jesus is walking down the road, and these ten lepers. Does anybody know what leprosy was? Leprosy is a terrible disease. It literally uh, eats your flesh, and your flesh is falling off. And you literally, uh, you know, they don't even have to amputate. Your finger will fall off, a toe will fall off. And it literally is a flesh-eating disease. It just literally eats your flesh away. And they had no cure for it back then. And so what they would do is they would put the lepers, they would send them outside of the town, way outside the town, and they'd say, y'all go live out there because we can't be anywhere near you. It was highly contagious. And so they made these leper colonies. And the lepers would have to go out there and live outside of the town. And the, the, city, the town folk would not even let them come near them. And what you had to do as a leper, if you were coming towards me, you would have to yell and let me know you were coming down the same road. And you know what they'd have to yell? Unclean 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 and nobody wanted to be around these people they were scared of them uh, because they didn't want to catch it and they didn't want to be anywhere near them so here's what's really terrible about leprosy is not just the physical physically you're falling apart and your body is dying from the inside out but to go without any human contact these people didn't have a hug didn't have anybody that loved them their own family Ostracized them sent them down there to the leper colony and nobody would touch them. Nobody would show them any Intimacy no contact no human contact for years and years and years and people could suffer with this disease for 10 20 30 years before they died So can you imagine living a big portion of your life with no human contact? Nobody wanting to get anywhere near you or touch you. All right, that's the loneliest part uh, in, in relation to that what's the what's the loneliest part about hell The loneliest part about hell is not the fire, not where the worm eats your flesh and all that stuff. You know what what makes hell hell is your separation from God and your loved ones. Amen. The emotional toll many times is even harder than the physical toll that it takes on you. All right. Let's finish. All right. Luke chapter 17. Let's pick it up at verse 14. 14 through 18. All right. Over there. Luke seventeen fourteen through eighteen, the devil—he don't like when we try to get it going here. Amen. Luke seventeen fourteen through eighteen, we gonna get it. There it is, all right. So when he saw them, he said to them, "Go and show yourselves to the priest." And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Okay, verse 18. we get that one 18. yeah were there not any found who returned to give glory to god except this foreigner all right so these 10 lepers show up jesus tells them i'm going to heal you and he says here's what you need to do go show yourself to the priests. and when you show yourself to the priest you're going to get healed now one thing i want you to understand is when jesus healed people he hardly ever healed anybody exactly the same way Sometimes he would touch them, sometimes he would spit in his hand and rub, uh, mix it with dirt, rub it on their eyes. Sometimes he wouldn't even be in the same town sometimes he would uh, and here's the point Jesus uh, still heals today in many many different ways can Jesus heal you can can God heal you immediately and just take the sickness right out of your body sure he can but sometimes how does God heal you sometimes God uses the nurses and the doctors sometimes God uses the medicine sometimes God uses the surgeons sometimes God uses God heals in many many different ways so Jesus this time says I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to do any of that. He says, I'm going to tell you, go show yourself to the priests. And when you, show, when you do exactly what I told you to do, when you go show yourself to those priests, you're going to be healed immediately. And so they all ten go down there, and they do it exactly like Jesus said to do it. They show themselves to the priests, and they are immediately healed. But only one guy goes back and says thank you out of those ten. Now, before we get too hard on these lepers, I want you to understand You've had this disease killing you for years, and now you've been healed. So it's real easy to say, well, they should have, all of them should have gone back. But listen, you get healed like that, you get miraculously healed, you want to go see your family. You've had no human contact. You haven't been near your family in maybe 10, 20 years. And so they just got caught up and forgot to be thankful. And Wanted to go and just selfishly go tell their families and go get a hug Maybe they hadn't had a been able to hug their families in, in decades And so they just got caught up in themselves Sound familiar and sometimes when we get caught up in ourselves in our own selfishness We forget how to be thankful don't we we forget what it is to be thankful so I want you to understand that uh, But Jesus asked him, he says, where are the other nine, all right? So only one comes back and the other nine, all right? So I'm going to give you two ungrateful mindsets. Now, that's just rain. I can talk louder. That's why we got a sound system, all right? So uh, I know everybody's got a little bit of OCD. That's all right, a little bit of ADD, ADHD, amen. But uh, stick with me, all right? It's just rain. It'll be there, and it'll come, and then it'll go, all right? So two ungrateful mindsets, Uh, and we're going to look at, Two guys. If you remember this story, it is the story of the prodigal son. There are two guys in the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember? Two brothers. There's the younger brother and the older brother. Now, the younger brother is the guy that we know as the prodigal son. And his attitude, his uh, ungrateful mindset was, I want it now. All right? I want it now. Uh, It's a fast food mentality. There is a... a, um, advertisement right now that uses an old queen song that says, I want it now, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. And that's kind of the attitude we've gotten in America. I want it all, and I want it now. So the younger son, he didn't want to wait on his inheritance. He said, old man, you're an old man. You got old ways. You got old rules. I don't want to have to live under your rules. Give me my inheritance now. I want to go live like I want to live. I don't want to live under your house. I don't like it. You're too oppressive. You got too many rules. Like most of young bucks, you know, I'm going to, I want to go do my own thing and live on my own. And so he goes out and he does that. Let's look at the story. If you've forgotten it, Luke 15, 11 and 12 it says, then he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. So daddy, the father who represents God, he gives the younger son his inheritance and he goes off and he goes crazy. And guess what happens? A young guy does some stupid things with money. Can you imagine that? Amen? Wouldn't happen today, would it? So the young guy goes. It's taken his father years, decades, to accumulate all this wealth. And the bratty, ignorant, younger son, in his pride and his arrogance, says, Give me what's mine. I'm entitled. Give it to me now. And the young, stupid son is able to go... And Waste his entire inheritance. what took his father decades to accumulate he blows it in a matter of weeks mm. Amen So he goes and he blows it because he wants his now all right uh, Kids want to obtain everything that their parents have but they want it right now. You are not entitled You have to earn it. Amen now If you're lucky enough to be born into a rich family, then you probably live an entitled life. You got whatever you wanted whenever you wanted it. But guess what? There's a difference between somebody who gets entitled money and somebody who becomes rich and they earned all their money. Amen? And you need to understand, nobody deserves anything. It is that you are not entitled to it. And uh, what happens is, why do people who win the lottery end up? Broke and busted again. They were broke and busted before the lottery. You ever watch, there's a show that shows what happens to people who win the lottery. And most of them, it's a very sad case. Because it shows them they're broke and busted before they win the lottery. They win the lottery, win millions of dollars, and they end up blowing it and going through it because they can't handle money because they don't know how to handle money. And they end right back up where they started. They go through millions of dollars and they end up broke and busted on the other side of it. Why is that? Because you don't deserve it. If you didn't earn it, if you don't deserve it, uh, listen, the whole reason those people were probably broke and busted before was because they're not good with money. And guess what? If you got millions of dollars, you're still not good with money, and you're still an idiot. Amen? And you will still blow through all that money. And so those people end up, they think they're smart enough to handle it, but guess what? I know why God don't give me money. Amen? Because I know I'd blow it. Amen? I would go hog wild with it. All right? I'd go crazy with it. And so the Lord knows... Uh, What you can handle and what you can't handle. That's many times why the Lord says, no, Mark, you couldn't handle that. Amen. I'm going to give you just enough here to live on, be comfortable. But if I were to give you that amount that I give that person over there, there's no way you could handle it. All right. The Lord knows what you can handle and what you can't. All right. Okay. Uh, So let's look at the older son. The number two son, the older son, uh, is I deserve more all right so let's look at uh, the scripture Luke fifteen twenty nine. so he answered and said to his father lo these many years I've been serving you and I never transgressed your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends oh poor pitiful me so what happens? The, the older son, the older brother, says, look what you're doing to my little brother. He squanders everything. He comes back. You know the story. And the father says, here's my son who was once dead, now, who is now alive. Uh, put the robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Amen. And what does the older brother say? Well, you never did that for me. Why are you doing that for him? And he gets jealous. So jealousy comes in. Pride comes in, doesn't it? And he says, you've never done those things for me. I deserve more. I'm the older brother. Why didn't you ever do that for me? I deserve more. All right. So this is the older brother's attitude. Someone owes me. I deserve it. You ever done this? And to show you that we have this mentality, let me tell you, let me walk into your home and see if this is true. You walk into your home, you grab the remote control in your living room, You turn on the television, and there's probably some sort of a cable box there. And you start flipping, and you start at channel two, and you go into the 100s, then you go into the 200s, then you go into the 300s, and what do you say eventually? There ain't nothing to watch on TV, amen? Five, six hundred channels, nothing to watch. All right, you put that down, you walk into your bedroom, and you open the closet. Uh Uh-oh, I see where he's going. You walk into that closet, and you start touching all those clothes. And you start touching all those shoes. And what do you say? I have nothing to wear. Amen. And you get in that car, and you say, well, this car started, and it's going to get me to where I'm going. But, man, this car don't have nothing. This car don't, I don't have heated seats. My poor buns get cold in the wintertime. Amen. And this car does not heat my buns. Amen. Poor, pitiful me. I need a nice car. Why can't I have a nice car like Allison? Or why can't I have a nice car like Chris over here? Why can't I have heated seats? Or why do I got to crank my window down and, uh, and Steve gets to push a button to have his window go down? Amen. It's the comparison attitude and it's I deserve more. I should get a better car. I need a better car. I should live in a bigger house. I should make more money. Amen. I know what that guy does at work. And I deserve to make more money than him. Amen. And you will drive yourself crazy with the comparison game. The comparison game leads to death. And it leads to jealousy. And it never leads anywhere good. All right. We need to express uh, any ungratefulness. All right. So I'm going to give you these things. We need to expose any ungratefulness in our life. So I'm going to ask you to look in the mirror for a second. All right. Here's three things. Number one, material and financial. Are you ungrateful? about how much money you make? Are you ungrateful about your job? Are you ungrateful about your house or your car? Are you ungrateful about your stuff? Anything like that, uh, material or financial. Number two, relational, all right? Uh, I wish I had a better marriage. I should be married to somebody better than this person. Can I tell you, I know you, no, you don't, you don't need to be. you got better than you deserve, amen, I could almost unequivocally say to everybody married in here, you got better than you deserved, amen, but sometimes we get to thinking, well, poor pitiful me, you know, my spouse doesn't take care of me like their spouse does, and so we begin to look at the grass as always greener, amen, you know what I've told you, the grass is greener on the other side, Why? there's a septic tank over there. Amen. And watch where you step. All right. You're going to get in trouble if you start doing the grasses greener on the other side deal. All right. So in your relationships, understand God gave you, listen, we're fixing to go into Thanksgiving and some of you Thursday, are going to walk in a house and you're going to go do this. I hate my family. My family's a joke. Why is my family so dysfunctional? And everybody else's family seems to have it together. Can I tell you today, everybody in this room has dysfunctional family. Everybody in here has got challenges in their family. And guess what? God gave you your particular family for a reason. So don't be ungrateful. Say, God, this is my family. And God, I'm going to go love them right where they're at. Amen. I need to love my family exactly where they're at. Are they perfect? Do they make me mad? Uh, Yes, are they you know are do they get on my last nerve? Yes Amen, but guess what? They're exactly who God gave you and we need to go in and we need to love them just where they are Warts and all amen. All right, and then number three Circumstantial, I don't like my circumstances and I hear this one a lot. I would like to better my life Well, you know what I say and it's not going to be pleasant If you want to better your life, then start work, putting the work in. Put the work in to better your life. If you want to get a better job, some of you would need to suck it up and try to, uh, to figure out a way to go back to school and get more education. If you want to, be, uh, to advance farther at work, then you need to prove yourself a better employee at work, a, a harder worker. Uh, go in extra. Do the extra work. Put in the extra work that is needed to better yourself. Let's face it, we can all better ourselves. Here's what I find that happens with me in my life many times. People come to me and they say, Brother Mark, my marriage is struggling. Can we come to you for marriage counseling? I say, yes, come on. They come in. Invariably, what I do is I bring one in at a time first. I bring the husband in first. I say, talk to me. He says, she's crazy. You need to fix her. She's the problem. Everything's wrong with her. I say, okay, go out and send your wife in. The wife comes in. I say, talk to me. What's going on? He's nuts. you got to fix him. you got to do something with him, all right? And I bring them together, and I, I let them understand that, you know, here's the thing. Most problems in a marriage have nothing to do with right or wrong. It's you're wired one way, they're wired another way, and you can't figure out how to compromise. So here's the fact of the matter. We can make your marriage better, and here's the part they don't like. But you're going to have to put the work in. Oh, well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't come here to work. And many of them leave, and I know when they walk out the door, they're not going to do anything. If you want it to be better, you got to put the work in. If you want a better marriage, become a better you. If you want a better relationship with your children, become a better father. Become a better mother. Amen. If you want to become better at something, the only thing you have the power to do is be become a better version of you. And you can't do that on your own. You have to put the work in, and you have to ask for God's help. And God can do it. You can do it. I've seen marriages miraculously transformed. I've seen relationships with kids miraculously transformed. And God can do it. But he's not just going to lay it in your lap. You've got to put the work in, and you got to do it. I've seen people become an extremely better version of themselves, better husbands, better fathers, better wives, better mothers, but they put the work in, and they said, God, I need your help, and they did it, amen, and God can do it, God still works miracles, and he does it every single day, but you can't kick back in the lazy boy and say, God change everything, make me better, you got to put the work in, all right, all right, to cultivate an attitude of gratitude decide to turn your blessings into praise we sang this song this morning every blessing you pour out I'll turn back into praise all right so decide to turn your blessings into praise number one every blessing you pour out I'll take I'll turn back uh, to praise number two every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride if you don't give the god the credit then guess who's taking credit you all right every blessing I don't turn back to to per se uh praise uh turns into pride amen so don't let pride get the best of you many of us we want to take the credit for what god does and i'm here to tell you god says if i gave it to you you need to be thankful for it you need to have an attitude of gratitude towards it don't let it be a matter of pride okay all right uh scripture a couple of other scriptures here philippians 4 11 through 13 says not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, "I know how to be abased, or poor, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need." All right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That's a good one. All right, and then the other scripture is uh, Proverbs 15. 15 and 16 better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble Amen, and so we need to understand. I'm going to tell you this Uh, By human nature, you're not a grateful person by human nature. I'm not a grateful person Most of us were consumed with our own lives were consumed with our own deal And we're not really concerned about everybody else and we're not grateful by human nature. All right Uh, But here's what you need to learn to be contented Thankful, we need to stop complaining and start praising. Amen. Don't just feel gratitude Express it vocalize it. Tell the Lord how grateful you are Listen, there are people who have everything. There are people that you think if I had their life I'd be so happy Does everybody in here know who Elvis Presley was? Elvis Presley a prime example Elvis Presley Lived in a place called Graceland. You might have visited there. It's in Memphis. Elvis Presley lived in a 27-room house. Had a bowling alley. Had everything you could ever want in Graceland. All right? 27 rooms in his home. It cost $15 million. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, he had a $15 million a year income at the time of his death. He had cars you could never own. He had clothes more than you could ever wear. He had airplanes, uh, private airplanes. Uh, He was at 42 years of age, and he was depressed, and uh, he overdosed at 42 years of age. The man who we would think, this guy's got everything. If I had half of that, I would be so happy. No, stuff does not make you happy. Why do so many celebrities commit suicide? Because it proves stuff does not make you happy. More toys does not make you happy. Many people, they get trapped in a prison. Many of these celebrities, like Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, some of these other celebrities, they become a prisoner to their own life. They become so famous they cannot go out and lead a normal life. And it becomes a prison to them, and they become depressed, and they take their own life. That's pitiful, isn't it? And what many of us would kill for, what most of us would say, that's what I'm working for in life. You understand it has nothing to it it will lead you to death amen all right so the last slide is this and Julie you can come on to this point gratitude makes poor people rich and ungratefulness makes rich people poor amen write that down that's good gratitude makes poor people rich and ungratefulness will make rich people poor amen you would bow your head close your eyes And I hope that you have an attitude of gratitude as we go into Thanksgiving this week. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm far away from the Lord. And I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with the Lord. In fact, I would say I'm not even sure if I were to die right now where I would spend eternity. I want to give you an opportunity. The Lord is always as close as a prayer away. And he died for your sins and my sins. And all you have to do is reach out and accept it. But if that's you today and you say, Mark, I'm not sure where my relationship with the Lord is, I want to give you an opportunity. Just pray this prayer in your heart and your mind. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. and Lord, I need you. I believe you died on that cross for my sins. And Lord, I need a Savior. So right now, the best way I know how, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me from myself. Now, that little prayer may seem real simple, but guess what? That little prayer is all you need. If You prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe it was the second time, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. Would you just lift up a hand? All right, by that testimony, everybody in here, you know the Lord as your Lord and Savior. Everybody in here is secure in their salvation. And how many of you would say, Brother Mark, I'm going into Thanksgiving this week. And I really need to have some prayer. I need to, uh, I need to be a, a witness to my family. And it's very difficult, but I need the strength of the Lord. Would you just lift up a hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Hands all over. Lord, I pray for all those that raise their hand. God, would you just help us to go into our families this week and to be a witness? Lord, not to be afraid, not to condemn anybody or judge anybody, or to slap somebody up the head over the head with the Bible, but God, but just to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love people right where they're at, and just spread joy and to spread the love of Jesus to our families. Lord, may we be a people of gratefulness, and may we have that attitude of gratitude this week. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our time together. We praise you and we thank you for all the many blessings you've given to us. And we tell you today, Lord, we are a blessed people and we are a thankful people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that you'll go, that you'll be blessed. And Be a blessing to your family this week, amen.